May 2001, we were hosting a youth team from Norfolk, Virginia. They had done some work out in Novosibirsk, Siberia, and they were taking a few days in Moscow before going back home. On this day, we were doing the mandatory tour of the Kremlin and Red Square, and we decided that I would take our 18-month-old with me and a group to begin the tour, and my wife would take the other group to the one public restroom under the Kremlin stairs. We were going to reunite on Red Square, and, and our five-year-old daughter decided to go with her mom, and then she changed her mind to go with me, and only to change her mind again to go with her mom. The two groups were about 100 feet apart from each other, so I watched her reach the back of the group, and off we went. When we later met on Red Square, we discovered our daughter had never made it to my wife's group. Panic absolutely and immediately hit us. Our young daughter was now alone with tens of thousands of people on Red Square in one of the most prolific human trafficking countries in the world. We immediately made a quick plan. We split up and took off looking for her. During the last few days, guiding my American group through the extensive metro system of Moscow, I had obsessively counted to 16 the number of youth and sponsors I was taking through our city of 17 million people. The fear of losing one of them was enough to make me the most anal of tourist shepherds. But now... I couldn't have cared less if one of those teenagers was out of my sight. There was one that was much more vulnerable, much more lost, my five-year-old daughter. This weekend, we're focusing on unreached people groups or people who have little or no access to the gospel. An unreached people group is defined as an ethnic or ethno-linguistic nation without enough Christians to evangelize the rest of their nation or people groups. These unreached people groups haven't rejected Christ. They've never even had the opportunity to meet him. They need help from the outside to deploy and go to them. To help us understand the people group issue here, we, we need to think of geopolitical borders. That's the borders of a country. But then within those borders, there are a group of ethnicities or ethno-linguistic groups that sometimes have barriers between each of them, whether they're cultural or language or whatever. If we look at this slide here, it's a great way to illustrate this. India has its ethno-linguistic people groups within it, within its borders. There are 2,718 people groups within India, but there are over 2,400 of them that are yet to be reached or those that have no access or little access to the gospel. So when we look at India, the population, 1.36 billion people, 1.3 billion of those have no access to the gospel. So the story of my daughter on Red Square parallels the story of the unreached in that unless someone sets out to go and find them, there's no way they will accidentally find their way to Christ without outside help. So our plan has to reflect that. Our priorities have to reflect this understanding. Our resources have to be redistributed accordingly. Everyone is called to engage regardless of age, talent, ability. It's now beyond me. It's no longer about me. It's about them. Access has to happen. Our current reality, what we're facing in our world and in this country is, is to say the least destabilizing, devastating, it's been and continues to be super and, and really hard. Fires, COVID, economic instability, racial instability, political instability, all of that's going on. But imagine facing all of that 
without the knowledge or even the access to the knowledge that there is a God who loves you and there is hope beyond this life and all of its challenges. That's the reality of those who have no access to the message of Christ. Unfortunately for the unreached, the church, Big C, has a huge distribution problem. The problem is not supply. We have the resources, the personnel, the ability, the finances. However, reality is less than 3% of resources and 1% of missionaries are going to work with the unreached. Yet the unreached represent 42% of the world's population. You heard that right. 42% of the world has no access to the message of Christ. That's 3.2 billion people. With numbers like that, the goal of reaching the unreached seems overwhelming and even impossible at times. But we also know that it's inevitable. Referring to those who will one day be around God's throne worshiping him, Revelation 7-9 says this, I looked again, I saw a huge crowd, too huge to count. Everyone was there, all nations and tribes, all races and languages. This is why we as Timberline have chosen to focus a large portion of our missions, resources, and energies towards unreached people groups. Those who will never cross paths with the message of Christ unless somebody goes to them. It's also a biblical mandate. We have to ensure that all have access to the gospel. Matthew 28, Jesus, some of Jesus' last words were a command for us to go and make disciples of all nations. It's about a plan with priorities that propels us to live beyond ourselves until access happens for all people. Here's another way to look at it. So if we look at this slide of Argentina, Argentina within its geographical borders has 84 people groups. There are two of those people groups who have no access to the gospel or little access to the gospel. The population of Argentina is 44.7 million. There are only 181,000 people who have little or no access to the gospel. By contrast, the country of Maldives with its geopolitical borders, within there, they have four people groups. Four of those have no access to the gospel. So the population of Maldives is half a million, but there are half a million people who have little or no access at all to the gospel. So the person in Argentina who doesn't know Jesus needs to have an encounter with him, but they have far greater opportunity for that to happen than the person in Maldives. All are equally lost without Christ, but not all have equal access to the message of Christ. Think of it this way. In regard to distribution problem I referred to earlier, we need to consider where to focus our resources. If you walk into a room and 10 people are carrying a heavy beam across the room and nine people are on one end and one's on the other end, where would you naturally run to to help? Of course, to the one. That's why we make the unreached a priority. That's why even though the task isn't finished in our own country, we still deploy because those people, like my daughter, need all of us to activate in order for them to even have a chance at encountering the love, hope, heart, forgiveness of our Savior, Jesus. That's why we must live beyond ourselves. That's why we do it for access, because access will and has to happen. Now, we've asked some of our workers, to, that those we support who are working among the unreached, 
uh, to tell us a little bit about their choice to work in a challenging environment, also what those people are like, and then what we in Northern Colorado can do to get involved. We'll go one question at a time, we'll, we'll take a look at the video, and then Pastor Derry and I will reflect on what they've said. Missionaries go where the gospel has never gone before. Missionaries believe that if I don't go, people are going to die without Christ. Missionaries are often the first to reach out a hand of compassion to people that no one else cares about. God really just broke our heart. It's really the greatest injustice of our time that there are people living and dying that have never heard his name. We remind ourselves of our simple response at the very beginning. We are just obeying Jesus. Wow, so what, what is like the mindset of a missionary who is going to some part in the world where people have never and may never hear the good news, the gospel? What, what kind of person has the faith <laughs> to go do that and to try to make that? Where do you even start? Yeah, oh. first of all, it starts with courage. You, you know you should go, you hear, you hear the voice of God, you sense this call, but it takes courage to respond because you're going to remote places, sometimes hostile places, places that don't have too many other foreigners, you don't know the language, you have all these obstacles that you're facing. So I think when we look at people who work among the unreached, we, we need to look at them as maybe Marines or fire jumpers. They go where the danger is, if we can call it danger, and they're willing to go because they know they can make an impact. But they also have to go with the mindset that this is the long view. You're not going to see results right away. You're going to unclaimed territory. So it takes pulling rocks and pulling stumps and preparing soil, and sometimes you even get to plant. But the chances of seeing the harvest are, are, you know, that's way down the road. And, and that needs to be understood. So in, in, in our case, as a church like Timberline, our, our goal would be to support, encourage, strengthen, try to keep them from feeling like a failure every day because the success rate isn't gonna be great. And they, they've got to know that going in, right? That's exactly right. There's, there's such a, a need for them to know, hey, we're in your corner cheering you on. We're with you on this, and this idea that uh, we're committed, we're, co we're committed with you, is really critical to these people. There are discouraging days when you don't see results. Well, yeah, especially from the, the sounds of it, many of these places, you said some, but how many would be hostile toward the gospel? Is it a percentage you could pull out of the top of your head? I don't have a percentage, but, but certainly the hostile places those that are hostile are the tough, are, are tough places to go, including all the others. Wow. Well, we've got to pray. I mean, we've got to pray and, and be strong for the people and our missionaries that we support in these places, but I'm glad we have them. 
Agreed, agreed. These people have been worshiping uh, the fire and they've been in bondage to de demonic forces for thousands of years. Um, so working amongst them has been the greatest joy, the greatest privilege, because they are a beautiful people group who are so hospitable, so loving, and we our favorite thing in the world is to be up in the villages and the mountains, sharing a meal with them um, and getting to know new friends, learning their language and getting to know their culture. We need to consider what is good news for a Hindu, a Muslim, or a Buddhist. We need to take a step beyond just these generic, just religious descriptions and consider something more specific. Like, what is the good news to an economically depressed, socially isolated, divorced mother of two in India? This shift in our thinking will create a greater sense of awareness of what the good news of Jesus' kingdom brings to those unreached people, then inevitably, our words and actions towards the unreached are going to follow. So, <laughs> I gotta say, I'm kind of overwhelmed by these numbers. Like, I don't, it just feels like needle in the haystack kind of feeling. Give us a little hope here of how in the world we're supposed to even start. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's exactly the feeling uh, that many of these missionaries feel. Three, over three billion people have yet to have access to the message of Christ. How, how do, so, so I think we have to pull back and remember that every number has a name and every name has a story and every story matters to God. Every one of them has the image of God within them. God's fingerprints all over them. These are people. They're people with children, people who have sickness, people who want to feed their families. They're worried about their jobs, their health. All, they're just people, just like us. And, and they're seeking. They need that peace and that, that hope within them. So instead of looking at these large numbers, we just need to look for the image of God in these people. Oh, you, you know this because we've traveled together, Pastor Derry, and, and been in some of these places where we met people like Boris and, and Raphael and, and Oleg and people who just, they, they just want hope in their lives. And so they seek and some of them fortunately find somebody who has crossed barriers and, and made the trip to be over there and they can encounter Jesus through that that relationship invitation. One of, one of the kind of most shocking but memorable moments on those trips was, first of all, they always wanted to feed us, <laughs> which I'm fine with. But, but it was interesting how when you would come into these, I don't know, uh, either little buildings, you know, that are churches, and some of them are down off the beaten path or out in some desolate place where you, you feel like you can't find them. But after a meal uh, and, and enjoying that meal, I, I found so much joy 
in these leaders and, and in these people. And I just got to ask the question. Then the stories would come out. This guy's been beaten. He's been taken to prison. He's been abused. He's been wrecked by the law. He's, it's, I mean, and I'm thinking, I would have never guessed that they would have so much trauma in their life. What is it about the strength that God gives for people in these types of situations? Thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I've asked that question myself many times. And I think there's, there comes a place of understanding the privilege of sacrifice. Wow. Which is hard to understand until you've gone there. And I, I heard a missionary just recently say this, that there are levels of intimacy with God that you don't reach until you've had levels of dependency on God. Wow. And that's how they live their lives. It's amazing. The privilege of sacrifice. That's not how we think in this country. Though we do, thank you Timberline for the sacrifices made all the time that make a difference in people's lives. So this is discouraging, but it's also very encouraging because with the facts and the truth, we can have a plan. So let's go forward, thank you. Church, it's such an honor to be able to see what God's doing through you guys in Northern Colorado to reach your community and reach the world. If you are praying about ways you can get involved in reaching the unreached, there are three ways you can get involved. Pray specifically for the hearts of the unreached and the individuals who've yet to hear the gospel, yet to hear the truth for the first time. There's 7,000 people groups still waiting to hear, have access to this good news. So pray. And the second way is to give. Give to the people working amongst the unreached and organizations that are specifically ascending to the unreached. Thank you so much for giving and partnering in this way. The third way is pray about going. The harvest is so plentiful and the workers are so few. I believe he could be calling some of you guys to go and work amongst the unreached. I believe in the power of prayer. And sometimes I don't even realize that we're in the middle of a battle. But there are those in the state and around the world that partner with us in prayer, and I'm so thankful for that. You know, after, after listening to our missionaries respond to that, it's challenging, isn't it? Because I, I am moved with kind of one word that jumps out at me. And that's, that's the little two-letter word that says we. I just see this big parentheses around we, what we are about and what we are able to do. If I was by myself in this, I would, I would be pretty discouraged. The fact that I am doing this with you, man, we and us is a really kind of a powerful way to view making a difference here locally. Thoughts on, on how we, us, can, can jump in and make a difference right here where we live. That, that word we is really critical. And one of the things that's funny, I hear this across America all the time. Who are we playing this weekend? Who are we playing this weekend? And I, and I think, <laughs> 
what do you, who's we, right? But there's this, this camaraderie, this spirit of we're in this together. This is our team. This is what, who we are. And I, I think it's really critical that in missions, we have that same, there's the weird word we again, we have that same approach. It's we. What can we do together? It's not what can they do, the missionaries out there. We have to engage because this is, this is all of us. There has to be this understanding that we're, we're together in this. This lonely feeling that a missionary out in the middle of nowhere has shouldn't be. They, they should know it's always in the back of their minds. There are hundreds of people praying for them. There are hundreds of people, thousands, cheering them on, ready to, to, to cheer with them when there's a victory and to, to mourn with them when there's a challenge. Because it's we. It's not just the one out there in isolation. And, and that's the way it was designed to be. So we do a part here in northern Colorado. Then there's a part that has to be done nationally with different ministries, and Timberline does really well at that. And then there's the global part that sh is not, shouldn't ever be looked at as left up to the others. It's we. It's, it's this group of people with one common purpose and mission to ensure that the gospel goes around the world and that Christ's name is glorified in every nation, among every people group, from every tongue, tribe, every language, praising God in their own way. You know, I, I still remember, and I can't remember if this was as an adult or I might have been a kid, but I remember a missionary, and you being in missions your, your whole life, practically, um, you may know the origination of this story, but it's an illustration of a missionary who has said in our church, here at Timberline, but I think in other places I've heard it. I am willing to go down into the well if you promise me you will hold the rope on the other side. And I still have this like image of me holding this rope. I don't want to go, but I'll, I'll hold the rope. And I still have this picture of a Timberline church holding a rope for the people who are divinely called to some of these. We're all called to reach people. But there are specific callings on people to do specific things. But the church needs to be willing to hold the ropes so that these people can go down into the darkness and the abyss. Uh, isn't that true? Oh, absolutely. I mean, if nobody's holding the rope. Can't do it. You can't do it? You can't do it. Well, I'm, I'm sitting here. I, I still have to ask one last question as we wrap this up, because I, I'm not sure I heard anything else you said uh, earlier, because I'm worried about your daughter lost in Russia. Can you please tell us? I know her actually, so I know you found her, but that was horrible. How long before you found your daughter? She was found, yes, and wow. we're glad. It was probably 30 to 40 minutes oh. that she was all by herself and true panic. I mean. You set into this commando mode, you gotta find her, so that overtakes, but the panic was unbelievable. She still very clearly remembers that moment and who found her, and it wasn't even us, and that's a great illustration of the we. But the team went out, it was somebody who didn't speak the language, didn't know Red Square like we did, my wife and I, but they still were able to locate her and get her to us to safety. 
You know, that's almost how I feel right now uh, on this weekend for missions at Timberline Church is there are people that God loves that are lost. They're lost. And that is a big conviction in our heart. We, we can't sit idly by and say, someone will go. Someone will give. Someone will do it. At least I hope so. That's why we do what we do at Timberline. That's why there's a passion in us because the people we need to have in heaven with us have been lost. And we're going to find them. That's what we're doing. We're going to find them. And we're going to make it happen. We're going to hold those ropes and we're going to give and we're going to sacrifice joyfully. Why? Because that's our mandate as a church. So let's step up and make a difference, you guys. I'm with you. I feel you're with me. We're together. It's we. It's us. Let's go make a difference. God bless you. In the pandemic, which is in the world, it has to have some hit on our missionaries with isolation, loneliness. Talk to us just briefly about how we can pray for them specifically. Yeah, just like everywhere else, COVID has created opportunities for some, which has been great, but a lot of challenges. Many of our missionaries have had to come out of the countries where they serve. They're waiting to get back in. So they're, they're displaced with their families, creating that angst. That, that's, that'd be a great prayer point right there for our missionaries. Okay, yeah, let's, let's pray for our missionaries. And you know what else? It might be that today, on this particular weekend, right now in this moment, whether whatever day it is that you say, I, I want to follow this Christ that you're talking about. And we would love to partner with you in that. We would love to be a person who, who joins with you to make it the we, <laughs> the us. We want you in our family. And all you have to do, the Bible is really clear. Confess your sin to the Lord. Believe in Him. And, and accept him by faith. So right now, you can just say that. Just say something like, Lord, I, I do accept you. I do. I need your forgiveness for my sins. And I, I believe you are God and the Son of God. And I, I'm going to trust you with my future and the rest of my life. Lord, I just pray for my friends right now. I pray that you will be with them. You encourage them and let them know that you love them. You created them for amazing purpose. Let this day be a new line in the sand for them for the rest of their life, we pray it. Thank you for it. Be with our missionaries. Touch them, encourage them, let them know they are not alone. In your name we pray it. Amen.